Hello, everyone, again, and welcome to the Sensory Approach to Annual Therapy podcast. I'm excited to talk to you guys today about a subject that is rife with turmoil and conflict and debate on the social media platforms. And I'm sure that this will only agree with some of you and some of you will disagree with this and that's fine. I want to present to you guys some of the facts and talk to you a little bit about fascia and how amazing fascia can and cannot be to the body. So first, I want to talk to you a little bit about just what it means. Traditionally, fascia refers to a mass of connective tissue large enough to be visible to the unaided eye. And that's the original definition of fascia, which is a very broad statement. Modern science is creating more significant changes to our understanding of what fascia really is. And there's some really great research coming out of Germany with Robert Schleip and France with Dr. Gimberto uh, around what fascia is and what it isn't. And I think that's really important, what it isn't. And another thing that's important to remember, and this may seem like a small distinction to other some, and yet it is so vitally important. And again, it should change how we talk about fascia with our clients and other therapists as well. All fascia is connective tissue. Not all connective tissue is fascia. A ligament is connective tissue. It is not fascia. And there's an important distinction there. I hear people talk about connective tissue as though it was fascia, one in the same, and they aren't. So before we start, I just want to um, give you guys a quote from Paul Ingram from his website, uh, his blog site, painscience.com. And it's this. In the last 25 years, a broader definition has emerged to serve the interests of people who believe that fascia is medically important. It is often imprecisely used to refer to medically important fibrous connective tissues, microscopic and macroscopic. The medical importance of fascia is often attributed to its ubiquity in the human body. Thus, a more inclusive definition supports the alleged therapeutic importance of fascia and the people who have staked their reputations on it. Again, that's from Paul Ingram, who is a blogger. I, I really respect his opinion and his science. I really think a lot of you guys should read his stuff if you haven't, if you're not familiar with it. The reason I want to bring that up is because I was on another social media site recently, and I'm not going to name names, but um, there were a group there discussing some of the research that Robert Schleit had uh, published recently on fascia for movement specialists around yoga therapy. And a lot of people were bashing it and some people were for it and back and forth and back and forth. And, and it came to me in this moment that um, I, I think people are either intentionally or unintentionally misunderstanding what it is that the researchers are doing with fascia. Um, and I think it's also important to understand that fascia researchers uh, may not necessarily be clinicians and they're not applying it in a clinical setting. They're applying it in a scientific setting. And those are very, very different. And so one of the first things that we want to look at is just some of the effects of fascia. We know that as load distributing, fascia has the ability to absorb force from one tissue density to another and transfer that force and absorb it. We know that it has micro and macrofibrils, which are these tiny cell structures 
It has a tissue continuum throughout the body. It's an organized framework of the human body, uh, which is really important detail because it is one of the things that helps maintain the structure of our form. It is strong at exchanging energy and information from matter. So uh, it helps with vibrational forces. It helps with displacement of force. It helps with movement. Um, these things become all really important. Um, one of the things that's important is that it's continuously trying to seek equilibrium between attention and a, and a give and a take. And now these are all just scientific facts. This is not to be debated. This is what we know about fascia. The, the, the thing that ends up becoming a debate here that a lot of people have is can we as manual therapists affect any of these things that we're talking about? Um, do we actually have the ability to apply enough force to the fascia to create a long-term or lasting change within it. And again, the science shows no. The science shows that any force that we apply to fascia um, is quickly, within moments, within minutes, um, absorbed and redistributed throughout the body. And our, our effect on it is not long lasting, which based on what we just talked about with low distribution and it constantly seeking equilibrium makes sense. That's its job. Its job is to absorb force. One of its jobs is to absorb force and distribute it throughout the body. So if I, as a therapist, apply my pressure in my elbow, the fascia is going to try to absorb it. It's not going to shear. It's not going to rip. It's not going to stretch. It's going to absorb it and distribute it throughout the body. Um, that's what it's designed to do. So as a therapist, one of, one of the conflicts that arises between therapists and scientists is that the science says we cannot stretch fascia. And a lot of research, uh, a lot of manual therapists love to say they get to stretch fascia. And, and I think it's just, I think it's a, I think it's people feeling threatened. We can't stretch fascia. That's science. Let's not deny it. We can't stretch. It's like saying the sky is blue. The sky is blue. It doesn't mean that therapists is, is ineffective. And that's one of the downside to researchers. Research, say, research says because we can't stretch fascia, you shouldn't be doing manual therapy. It's ineffective. And I think that is also incorrect because we have research showing that manual therapy has positive effects. We don't necessarily know the reasoning of those positive effects. I can't say that it's because I stretched their fascia that they changed positively. We do know that they feel better, not only in the clinic, but also over time with some studies that have been done, uh, mainly with the Department of Defense in the U.S. There's some great studies that were done recently around the effects of uh, massage on pain and pain management for opioid care. And again, it's one of those things where we don't know the mechanism of how manual therapy is offering a positive change to the body. We do know that it is offering a positive change. And. When I was on that social media site and I was watching this group go back and forth and back and forth over an opinion on whether or not Schleip's information was good or not, the epiphany that I had was that when I looked at all this stuff around research from the researcher's point of view and from the therapist's point of view, I came to this understanding that when we're dealing with chronic pain in our clients, we have to look at our client like a puzzle. And when the puzzle's finished, everything fits well together and every piece is present. A researcher is someone who takes time to focus in on one piece and the importance of one piece of that research, of that puzzle. And if that piece of the puzzle is missing, 
then technically the puzzle is not complete, even though we may have a general idea of what it will look like. The puzzle's not done. Now, the problem with research is they look at that one piece and they say, I do so much research on this one piece of the puzzle that it is the most important piece to the puzzle, which is not the case. Every piece of that puzzle is equally important to the overall completion of it. As manual therapists, we tend to say, because I manipulate every one of these puzzle pieces, they are all the most important and I can do something with each of them. When the truth is, you are just being given a puzzle piece and putting it in its place. You don't necessarily know how important each individual piece is. They are all equally important. So exercise therapy, fascia, lymphatic drainage, nervous system, all the, the tools you use, cupping, eye stem, kinesiotaping, uh, hands-on, stretching, all these things, every one of those is a piece to these puzzles that become vital and become important. And it's the overall image that we need to keep focus on. And researchers are being paid to focus in on one piece of that puzzle and make it the most important piece. So it's important that as therapists, we don't say that their research is wrong because it's not. It's our job as therapists to read the research and integrate it into our care so that the puzzle is completed more quickly, more cost effectively to our clients. So when we're talking about fascia, you know, fascia is such a hot topic because people say it's just you can't do anything to it. Does that mean I don't do my treatments anymore? No, I still do the care that I used to do to my clients because they're still getting positive results. It means I no longer say I'm stretching fascia. That's the only thing that's changed. I no longer say I know what I'm doing. That, that, that's it, which I know is hard for a lot of people to say. So when it comes to fascia, I think it's really important that people give researchers an opportunity to do their research, evaluate it, and not jump to a conclusion based on one or two research papers that the care they do is the most important or that the care they do is ineffective at all. And I think it's vitally important that researchers don't take their research and say that theirs is the only one that values or matters and that it is the most important. They're being paid to say that, but oftentimes if they're clinicians, they realize that it is not a single thing that's going to offer the care that our clients need. So that's my little rant on fascia. I hope you guys like it. I am very much likely and looking forward to hearing your guys' feedback on that one. Again, you can comment on the Sensory Approach Instagram page or our Facebook page. If you wanna know some of the research behind that fascia stuff we talked about, all of it is present again on my online e-course at sensoryapproach.com. Go to the e-course and sign up for it there. Again, it's good for six NCBT and B hours. And uh, thank you guys again for joining us and listening to my rant on fascia. There's a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all.